Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West. Yeah. I'm not going to edit that, man. I'm going to go with it. Mountain West Wire podcast because I don't want to edit stuff, even though I'm going to have to later for a certain <laughs> But I'll flub. I don't care. It happens. MWR.com. Week six recap is here football-wise. It's Matt Checkley not me the background because we already had a minor screw-up before about two minutes ago. But we'll make it as live, which is interesting, which makes it fun. So as my – before you – I disconnected earlier. What I was saying is that we had a pretty crazy week in the Mountain West, as did the whole college football landscape, which is awesome, which means probably we're not going to – if you care about the playoff, we're not going to have the same four teams. Mount West Championship may have different teams in there, depending. But uh, we had a good weekend. There are some good results. People not liking what I like to say about certain teams, despite you making the same crack on Twitter. So it's it's like a normal weekend. Everybody hates us. Yeah. What else is new? Well, we'll find out. We'll get to it in a minute here. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, Boise State 26, BYU 17. So before we get to this game, Matt, um, I think I need to apologize to a few people out there. <laughs> Uh-huh. By a few people, I mean Boise State fans who it's funny because when I put out my power poll or earlier today, it's nothing about that, but the comments are you know, or my Colorado State tweet we'll get to later, but hey, they're just mad Boise State's not the top or blah blah blah. And I'm like, I don't care. Like if they do well, it's probably better for people to listen or view the website and all that stuff because they're a pretty popular team. But at the end of it, it doesn't matter. I'm jacked that Utah finally beat USC in the road. That was pretty cool. And they crushed mm-hmm. them. So I love that. So, but I said, I basically buried the team and this shouldn't have been the case because from what I saw, they haven't been very good running the ball, stopping the ball, protecting the quarterback. They've been pretty bad in a lot of aspects, so despite being in close games due to certain aspects of their team. So them going out and beating BYU like they did, forcing turnovers, um, actually running the ball. I won't say good, but well above average. Relatively speaking, they ran it pretty well. They had the same offensive line, so they're clearly not a bad football team, like I said. But I also thought BYU was a lot better than what they were because their running game was not very good either. Like Tyler Jeer, we all figured he would run. You included. Everybody figured he'd run crazy. He only had 73 yards and only a 10-yard long. So 
Before we get to all this stuff, we do have me, you and me will discuss the game. Our buddy Raj has graced our presence with an audio clip because he's kind of back um, watching <laughs> yeah. doing his stuff right. Not just a he's he's back. That's all I'm gonna say. So listen to this little clip here, and we'll come back. It's not too long, and um, I've heard it before, so I won't give anything away now. But you can just listen to him. Here we go. Hey, Mountain West Wire listeners. This is Raja Bleeds Blue, and this is your first ever Bronco moment. So what's, what's the Bronco moment? Well, Boise State might not be the football team that was in 2010. It's still better than all the other 11 programs in the Mountain West. So every single time we do Matt and Jeremy do a podcast, maybe I'll just jump in here and talk about the Broncos for a few minutes because that's what the people want to hear. So on a personal note, some of you guys have might have noticed that I've been gone for a while. Boise State, a little rocky start to the year. It happens. Um, you know, quick shout out to Nevada, um, San Diego State, Fresno. You guys are doing your thing. But Boise State just got a top 10 victory on the road. And as the broadcasters continually mentioned over and over during the broadcast, last time Boise State did that was in 2001 in Fresno, which turned to be a good jumping off point for the Broncos. Um, is this going to be a jumping off point for Andy Avalos? I don't know, but... Um, I like this victory a lot over BYU for a lot of reasons. And if you watch that game and you're a Mountain West fan of the other level teams, I'd be a little bit scared. I would not be so quick to toss dirt on these Broncos. And I think it looks like a damn good team coming out of Boise this year. Um, I still like the Broncos' chances to win the Mountain West. And uh, that's it for this week's Mountain West Wires Bronco moment. Next week, I'll give you guys a little bit more in-depth analysis, but... This week, I just want to say it's good to be back, and it's good to be a Bronco. So, Matt, what I took about that, he wasn't as bodacious or braggy as I thought it would be. <laughs> Surprisingly, right? Surprisingly restrained. Hey, if you see what he said to their DM sometimes, even though we know he's half kidding, it's still hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, he's not wrong. Like, he, like you heard, boy, he thinks, oh, Boise State, still in the running to win the conference. Like, he put on Twitter, I think, um, Sunday morning, I guess, whenever. It's like, it's not technically... He doesn't feel it's Boise State versus the field, but he still says they have a pretty good chance to win the division, which the division's pretty pretty wild. We'll see how it is because Air Force is good. Wyoming's good. Utah State's hit or miss, but who knows? Like They don't play well versus Boise State lately. And then you have uh, Colorado State, which your defense looks good, but I'm not a believer in them like winning the title or anything, as people know on Twitter. It's particularly one person, but... So what do you feel about the game itself? Because his points are pretty generic. Like, hey, they did well. They chance to win. They're playing pretty well after surprisingly relative to what they've been doing the past couple weeks. So, you know, I watched this game, and, and afterwards I thought, okay, well, what did I just watch? Because, you know, when you look at what actually happened, you know, you see that BYU outgained Boise State by over two yards per play. 6.5 to 4.2. And that was something that I put out there on, on Twitter almost as soon as the game was over. Um, you know, and, and regardless of whether you want to look at things like that, you know, like you know, Boise State was a little bit better on third downs, um, but BYU was also way better on first downs, which I think is worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were gaining three full yards more on first down than Boise State was. Um, and even if you want to dive in more into some of the more advanced, you know, metrics, you know, in terms of like big plays, uh, BYU had twice as many in this game for two and a half times the yardage. Um, 
you know, when it comes to like, you know, power success rate, you know, which, you know, short yardage running situations, which, you know, if you, if you don't know the definition, it's basically any situation where you have two or fewer yards to go and you need a first down or a touchdown. Boise State was only one for eight in this game. BYU was one for four, so it's not like they were that much better. But, you know, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Boise State's running game is back on track. I mean, well, <laughs> well, Maybe. Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, BYU. Better. They had, a, they had a better overall rushing success rate. They had a better overall offensive success rate, just total. You know, they shot themselves in the foot with penalties and they shot yeah. themselves in the foot with takeaways. And I think it was Jay Tust that brought this up first and foremost at once the game was over. But, you know, now you look at what Boise State has done through six games. They have 16 takeaways through six games. And, and, and the only other team in the conference with as many that even comes close, actually, is Hawaii. Um, which, you know, we'll obviously get more into that next week when we start previewing week seven. But, you know, you saw some things that, that Boise State did well, but I think the one thing that they did the, mo- the best, which ultimately made the difference in this game, was they maximized the field position advantage that they created for themselves off of those turnovers. Yeah, because they got the Tyler, not Tyler, but the Lapina Katoa fumble off the kick return, they scored a touchdown. Then they got another fumble later, scored again. Like they yeah. took advantage of their stuff. And so they didn't need, like, the, out, the total yardage was outgained by about 100. But that's yeah. also part of the field advantage Boise State had. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, here's the thing: like Boise State, they forced three fumbles, four or four fumbles altogether. They they, they intercept three. Oh of yeah, them. and got a pick um, too. Do you know plus many, four? Do you know how many points they got off of those turnovers? I'm trying to remember. At least fourteen. No, they got seven. Oh, I thought they scored another touchdown off it. Oh, okay, my bad. No point points off of turnovers. Four, you know, hmm. they had BYU had four turnovers. Boise had seven points altogether. And, you know, even when they were moving the ball, you know, here and there, you know, you look at the fact that they couldn't always punch it in either. Like Jonah Dalmas had four field goals. Three of them were inside of 30 yards. Yeah. So, so Boise wasn't exactly finishing drives every chance that they got, you know, Hank Bachmeyer had a, had a decent game, 18 of 29, 172 yards. You're being nice. That is for what he's done all year. That's bad. No touchdowns. Under 200 yards. Don't say that was but, just. So I guess okay what I'm saying, like they, there was that stretch basically in the second and the third quarter where BYU had four drives that went fumble, turnover on downs, fumble, turnover on downs. That was yeah, the game right there. But it wasn't. But it wasn't yeah. like. But it wasn't like Boise State went out there and and did everything that they could to bear it. Like you know, they left a lot of some things on the table. And so I saw a lot of Boise mm-hmm. State fans. Yeah, I, I like. I, it got to the point where I was, I was thinking to myself. If this kind of game had unfolded against literally anybody else besides BYU, <laughs> besides the, te- this, the supposed 10th best team in the country, which, you know, I think I may have sent to this as a preview. I don't think BYU is the 10th best team in the country to begin with. But if this had happened against anybody else, I have a feeling there would have been a lot more bitching and moaning among Broncos fans than I was seeing on Twitter <laughs> uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, which, yeah, okay, you, you know, they, they, they did what they needed to do to win the game. Like they did just enough. I guess you could say well, second but, half but, only but six I'm, points, but I'm not terribly convinced like, you know, that yards per play average um, not only was it the worst per play average of the entire season so far on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the kind of offensive performance they were putting up on a per play basis in last year's championship game. And I don't remember anybody, you know, feeling really good about how that game turned out either. So 
it, like I, I wasn't necessarily on board with what you were saying about Boise State being a bad team, but I still good have, either. But I still have no idea how good they are. I think they're good enough to win ugly. Which I mean, they I, did. I think I think that much is pretty clear. But whether that's going to cut it over the course of another six games or so, I have absolutely no idea. Like this seems like the kind of game where, you know, if if they can't generate more fumble luck, like let's not forget too, like they had a fumble early in this game that I think it was Stephen Cobbs that fumbled yeah. in, inside. I, I want to say it was like inside the BYU 25 yard line or something like that. Like they, they were scoring drive. I think it ended up setting up Boise State's first three points, if I'm not mistaken. Like if BYU picks that up, like maybe that's something that, that, that helps the game turn out differently, but they've had 12 fumbles on the air and they've lost four of them. So they benefited from a lot of fumble luck that, you know, based on what we know about just the nature of fumbling, like they can't always count on that week in and week out either. So, I mean, they did some things, right? Like the running game was functional. I'm not going to say it was good. It was better. It was passable. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, no Halani. Then you had um, Habibi Lakota out there do quite well. Touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it, you would you adjust for you would just for sack yardage, and they still averaged just three point four yards per carry. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it, he was moving the he was moving the ball. He didn't play the whole game, but he was they're moving reasonably well, better than before. So there's that. Like in Andrew Van Buren finally showed up, and so that's a good surprise. Like those two backs together had a had a decent game. Like yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, because I mean, yeah, the offensive line was a little better. And, and one one of my big takeaways when I was thinking about, okay, well, what did I just watch? Did you expect BYU to come up with just one sack and four TFLs? Like, I know that you've, you've typically watched and pay attention to BYU a little yeah. more closely than I do just by virtue of, of, of your other job. But like, yeah, what went wrong there? I think a couple, one or two things. Well, Boise finally had the same offensive line two games in a row. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so that helps them as well. I honestly don't know. It's it's raining, bad weather. That's a little bit, but that's no excuse to say why either offensive line did this or that. I, I honestly think maybe that Boise's line actually playing for a full week, knowing who they still had a bad center exchange snap at least once on one of those goal line plays or inside the 10 early on. Yeah. But I, I honestly think a little bit has to do or a good chunk Boise not play, having those guys practice all week together. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it. But no, I would have thought with like who BYU has, like, well, they have guys that played pretty, like Chaz Ayu is pretty good. He only had a half, like half a TFL. They have guys like Ben Bywater had 14 freaking tackles. It's like they had a, one or two guys, but I figured from what we've seen from BYU all year and Boise State, they would have had probably what two, maybe three sacks, and like six TFLs, almost not maybe 50% more production than they did in this game. But it's weird because Hank Bachmar wasn't throwing downfield. He, like I said, he only had, only had 172 yards. I'm just they had they had two big plays down the yeah. field in this entire game. One of those, one of those was Khalil Shakir making it. Oh, that was amazing! And I kind of catch like there was there was that, and there was I believe it the was almost the touchdown too. The other one that was in the corner, and there's yeah. also the BS pass interference too. I'm like, what the heck was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, I just think most. I think part of his Boise's line was there, but you're right, like. I listened to, did you already listen to like Split Zone Duo, their quick show Sunday morning? I haven't had a chance to yet, no. So, what's that stat you mentioned? The art expected points per drive or something? Um, EAP, is it, what's it called? You're talking about EPA? EPA. Yeah. So, BYU was negative on the day. Like they, they said like negative 0.7 or something. Yeah. I mean, I think it, looks, it depends on what you look at. Like we talked about Parker Fleming's, you know, kind of win probabilities during our preview podcast, and he has box scores over up on his website. So if you want to go check them out for yourself, it's CFB 
dash, the dash symbol, graphs.com. But, you know, even in thinking in terms of EPA, BYU held an advantage on, on Boise State in this game. Like, according to, to his metrics, which are slightly different than whatever the guys over at Splits I'm not sure. Looking at. All they said was EPA saw enough as his or somebody else's. Yeah, but, but you know, but they had a, but, B, but like I said, Boise State had a massive field position advantage and they took advantage of it. And that's, but, but, and, and they were better on third downs. And that's about the only things they were better at in this game, besides, besides creating turnovers. And to kind of put this all in a nice bow, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet this morning that Bill Connolly put out about post-game win expectancies. Yeah, you asked him about something. I, I asked him about this game in particular. Do you, did you happen to see what his reply was? Was it 17%? Boise State's win probability after post-game win expectancy, 17%. Which meant that if this game played out in exactly the same manner, Boise State would win one of every six times. That's including being plus four turnover margin, folks. Plus so, you four. know, so, you know, I give them credit for, for winning the game, but I, I remain unconvinced. So I'm, can I, can I be half vindicated that they're just an okay team? Maybe not bad, but okay. I still have no idea how good or bad they are. Like, the best thing about they've this- got a lot, like the, the, you know, the defense knows how to create turnover. So that's going to paper over a lot because, if, you know, we t- we've talked a lot about how Boise State has created a lot of field position advantages for itself almost week in and week out. The one time they didn't was when they lost to Nevada. Yeah, but all, I think also the, one of the best things they did was the rush defense because what Tyler Algier has done all year against Utah, pretty good defense. Like I, the, the teams they play, oh, they beat three pipe tolls. Arizona's a piece of trash. Utah, I think they're okay. Mm-hmm. We don't know how good UFC is. Like, and Arizona State's a good team. They played UCF um, and Utah State. So, But he's been running. Running extremely well, they held up to seventy-three yards. No, from what BYU Boise's done, like look at Jalen Warren. Like that first half was amazing. A couple weeks ago, they've been allowing guys to run very well, and so that's probably the best part of the game where they slowed him down. Mm-hmm. But Jaron Hall did have a career high three hundred two yards. But the running, def- the rush defense was very like the offensive defensive line, which I said was the reason they would probably lose the game. Played well in this game, like they played well enough offensively because. Only one sack from Hank, Hank Bachmeyer. Only he got hurried like six times. Yeah, which is a decent amount. But like they played better than they have all year. Might have been their best game, to, particularly defensively. But only the longest rushing play was to a wide receiver and Puka Nakua. It wasn't even Tyler Ajir, Ajir who had the longest run in the game. So that was huge. Offensive line, the running game did well enough. Like maybe if Habibi Likio does as well and keeps going. Andrew Van Buren showed up. Like if, if George Twine is healthy, maybe they have three backs they can rotate and do well enough. But I'm still and then Hank Bachmeyer had a bad game. Like the you get plus four and only one only one by nine points. What's that tell you? It's like they're a team that they can win in different ways, which we saw in this way. They can win ugly, which is good. The wins a win. You beat a BYU team who top they were number ten, whatever. On, Rankings you care or not care about it. They're still a pretty good team for what they've been playing throughout yeah. the earlier. I mean, I'll give, I'll give but, Broncos credit too for, for doing it while being extremely shorthanded as well. Like you mentioned the yeah. offensive line earlier being without two starters. You know, Garrett Coran is still out. Uh, Kakani Okoa, Holomalia Gonzalez is still out. CT Thomas was out in this game. George Halani was out. Markel Reed and Tyreek Buff, both of their starting cornerbacks were out. Um, you know, JL Skinner got, you know, popped for targeting, didn't he? Yeah, there's something late in the game. Yeah, there was. 
Yeah. So or not I mean, late, no, no, late in the first half, I should say. So, I so you know, I give them credit for being able to kind of, you know, dig deep and tap into the depth chart. Like I, I, I wrote my winners and losers column and I, I had to highlight, you know, Andrew Taubman, who was kind of joining mm-hmm. on the spot for two of those turnovers that they created. You know, he forced one and recovered another. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of thing where we're like, we saw this play out last year. We're being shorthanded, being injury plagued and being you know limited even when they were a little closer to full strength ultimately caught up to them in the end and i and i just think we're gonna learn a lot about just how good this team is over the next four weeks because they get air force colorado state wyoming and i think fresno state in the next four games yeah not easy yeah and they're right this we'll talk about the rams and their defense has stepped up so that we'll see how that goes but they're fine like it's a good they beat a good team and like I said, I'm not 100 convinced they're like no, I'm they're not, not saying, of, they're not out of the woods yet. In my no. opinion, like can they win the Mountain West Mountain West Division? Maybe, but Air Force, well, I mean, heck, Utah State can put a point. CSU could throw a thorn in somebody's side, possibly. But it's it's like what our buddy Raj basically said. Like he he can predict them to win, which is not really outlandish. I still wouldn't lean to pick them myself right now. But it's no longer Boise versus Field. There's like four teams that can win that division. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, I can't remember exact. I think they rank 61st by overall SP plus so far, which I think is still like the, I want to say it's like the third best ranking among Mountain West teams. I know Fresno's one and I believe San Diego State is two. Um, but, you know, 61st may not sound like a big deal, but that's way lower than a lot of other vintage. I think like without knowing, without having the year to year results in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is still just by by how they performed on the field, not the same caliber of Boise State team we've seen in the past. They still got plenty of time to prove that they can be, but we'll just have to wait and see. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Totally. All right, next game. San Diego State versus New Mexico. 31 to 7. Aztecs get the win. Oh, my phone fell to talk to me. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> I said a keyword apparently. San Diego State's a keyword to open my phone up to talk to me. Um, did, 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 you phone, did you someone say I don't understand that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a weird update on my my Galaxy Note. I don't know. Like, usually it's like, okay, Google. 
Okay, I didn't do it there. But randomly, like I was watching a movie recently. It's just in my pocket. It goes, I don't understand. Or what are you looking for? I'm like, what is going on here? Is it? Is it? I don't understand how a quarterback can complete under 50% of his passes and still win by 24 points. Boom. There you go. Jordan, Jordan Brookshire. Get the I mean, start. No, I mean, not that, not that they needed him. No, he had, he had nice, he had, hey, yeah, they did. Two rushing touchdowns. No, that, okay, <laughs> so that was... well, that's, that's true. That's true. He did contribute that. But this game, like, we knew the outcome would be. It was a good rushing attack. Greg Bell had a had a huge game, 111 yards, long that one long touchdown like he always has. Brookshire was a bit surprising for how mobile he was those couple of scores. Hey, Chance Bell showed up on the ground. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good touchdown there. But, like, Lobos were, like, never in this game. Like, their touchdown came late. It was 17-0. to zero. I know there's all the hubbub about, the, oh, Rocky Long's coming back, Danny Gonzalez. All nice. They chat before Brady Hoke and everything, but the Lobos were outmatched, which is not surprising in this game. They were slow to catch up. Like Jordan Brookshire, it's like Aztecs are undefeated. They're, okay, is this too hyper, hyperbolic to say that the uh, Aztecs may have the worst starting quarterback out of a top 25 team? Oh, man. Who else is in the top 25 now at this point? Um, <laughs> lots of teams, 24 others. <laughs> Okay, hold on. If you want to vamp for a minute, I'm going to look this up, and then I'm going to give you a yes or no statement. I, I can I just say yes and be done with. It? I'm trying to think. Uh, Texas A&M's quarterback's not great, but they just beat Alabama. So they just that. beat Alabama, so I think they get a pass. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we got uh, let's see: Texas, SMU, North Carolina State, A&M, Florida, BYU. Or, um, I'm going to say yes. It's <laughs> a good point. I think it's easy. Yes, particularly they're also number 24, mm-hmm. but. They need to, like this. We know what the Aztecs We're not dumb. They need a guy who doesn't turn it over, which he didn't do, but he needs to throw like be 11 of 19 instead of 11 of 24, whatever he wants. Be just a touch better because you can beat, say, you can beat New Mexico by doing what they did. It's not, but if he plays a better team, like when they play Nevada, Fresno State, like when they play those type of teams, there's going to be issues with them trying to keep going. Because what if Greg Bell gets stopped? Like, what if that Fresno defense or when they play, you know what I mean? Like when they play Hawaii or something, they could score a little bit and maybe make a little noise defensively. It's going to be a problem going forward. But this game, no problem, no issue. He His mobileness helped out quite a bit to keep them keep them going and now, basically see, win comfortably, comfortably, I should say. The only reason I might disagree okay. is just, despite the overall inefficiency, like they still had a number of chunk plays in this game, which you don't always see from this Aztec passing game. You know, he had four four big pass plays that went for 40, or excuse me, 92 total yards. And, you know, he did that, I think, to, to three different receivers. Now, Tyrell Shavers was the guy, I think, who ultimately led the team in, in, in receiving yards. You know, he had two catches of 23 and 16 yards. You know, B.J. Busby had a 36-yard catch. Daniel Bellinger had a 17-yard mm-hmm. catch. Which is I nice. Mean, as, so, I mean, as long as they could get that, yeah, I think they'll be okay. You know, I think it sort of helps to think of the Aztecs as being like sort of an academy team without being an academy team. Because, <laughs> exactly. Because That's I, a good point. I think, because I think there's enough evidence to, to say like, you know, it, maybe what they do isn't the prettiest kind of game to watch, but it works for them. Like it's worked, it's worked basically from game one this year where they play stifling defense that, you know, mm-hmm. in this, in this game picked up four, four total sacks, 10 TFLs. Uh, against what is it an admittedly limited New Mexico offense, which we'll talk more about that in a minute. 
but you know they don't necessarily need to throw more often than they than they want to. I think they've made it work to this point, and until somebody can until somebody can move the ball more consistently against the defense, I mean, who's to say that they can't basically pull out this game plan week in and week out and ride it all the way to the West Division title? Uh, maybe I just think they need to pass a touch better. Like they make the downfield plays, like wait, like how they out of the completions and passes he made, that's what I want to see. But I just like he has 130 yards. I don't care about that. But let him be like I said, be a little bit more efficient, just a little bit more. Like maybe only throw 20 times. If he's 11 of 20 in the same stat line, I'm fine. That mm-hmm. would be more what I'm looking for. And so that's kind of the only thing. Like he it has to be a little, just be a little more efficient. Like get that percentage about 55, percent which mm-hmm. is not not too much to ask for. But as for New Mexico in this one, like the San Diego State defense is obviously good. Like the running game, we looked at like Bobby Cole and then Dumas, what they're going to try to do. Like Aaron, they did okay, nothing big. But like, what are the what's Lobo is trying to do here? Like Terry Wilson had the pick through just under fifty, right about fifty percent, not twenty yards. And yeah, he did go downfield a bit. That's probably the best thing in this game. A couple over twenty something yard passes, so that was a positive. But overall, it's they need. It's also standing to say, it's like, come on, what do you expect? It's like, they, it had, well, I can't say that about other teams, but they need to, at some point, still super early for Danny Gonzalez and everything, but they can't have their quarterback throw a few yards. They have to have a better running game. They can't go three of 16 on third down. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that's an issue. You can't have almost double-digit penalties. You can't turn the ball over the two times they did. Like, that's, that's a, it's a bigger thing than just playing standing to state penalties are an issue. Third and long because you can't move the ball in first and second down is going to be doubly against you when you're playing the Aztecs. So there's if they played like a lesser team, it'd have been yeah, it'd have been closer, but I still don't think they would have like had they played this game against San Jose State, it probably would have been a similar outcome. Not not a win, but not as bad as a loss. Yeah, I mean the offense, I mean, there there are flashes where, where things go well for them. Like, you know, we talked about you know, explosive uh, explosive plays. And in terms of like explosive play rate. New Mexico had a, a better percentage of, of explosive plays in this game than Boise State did, which we t- talked about a minute ago. They also had a better a, a better rate than Air Force did, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The problem is they just aren't nearly efficient enough, and especially against a, a, a top-tier defense like the one the Aztecs are putting out there week in and week out. You like they just needed more, but you know, it seems like no matter the competition recently, especially that they're just they're definitely spinning their wheels on that side of the ball. You know, you, and you, you look at it and you see that they're on a perfectly basis now the worst offense in the Mountain West. Yeah, like you would have hoped to see some progress and, and maybe we will, maybe we will in the weeks to come, but you know, it's just sort of like, uh, you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for that next gear to kick in. And at least in this game, it just didn't happen. Yeah. It's hard to tell from this game. It's, it's, it's still a work in progress. And that you, but you're right. Like the passing, despite Terry Wilson not being amazing, he had those downfield passes. They ran okay with the, but they also had only the one long of 19 running the balls. They just need to get more talent and just kind of just, it's, it's stupid to say, but just get better. And that'll come because you are, there are decent flashes out there, especially offense passing. And Terry Wilson only has one year, so it's like, well, you look at him for one year, so it's like, what are you going to do for next year? That's kind of a thing as well. But 
there's a couple of things here they can get to, but also like the, the offensive line is not good. Like Asics yeah. had 10 TFLs and four sacks. That doesn't help either. That's true. Yeah. I mean, and, and they, they, it wasn't like they weren't bringing back a lot of experience, but yeah. you know, we just, we talked about like rushing success rate and, and stuff with, with Boise. And I think it's worth bringing up here. It wasn't like the Aztecs were that much better in terms of like overall rush rate. Like you know, both teams were four for four in those short yardage situations. But the big difference was that, you know, San, San Diego state was 10% better just in general in terms of rushing success rate than the Lobos were, they were only 27% and 21% overall just on offense. You know, at some point that's got to get better, but that may not happen until they, they face teams that are maybe a little more on their, on their, on their level. So you mm-hmm. maybe look ahead to, you know, the UNLV game is sort of like the, the best crucible for, for both sides to be like, okay, where are we actually at in our rebuild process? Exactly. But we'll get to it. We'll see when they play the rest of the schedule, but Aztecs are undefeated. 5-0. and oh. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That'll be fun to watch. All right, what game do we have next? Are we talking about – we have to get to the Rams-Spartans game now? Yeah, let's do it. So you put a tweet out on Saturday. Basically, um, I honestly just spaced my mind. Say, what was it kind of about? Basically, like it – enjoy it while it lasts or something kind of, but nicer no, terms. No, no, no. I just, I just said <laughs> – I don't know. Sorry. Let's put it, let's, That's let's my words. Sure let's make sure we get the I, – I, I was very tongue-in-cheek to be like, you know, Colorado State is in sole possession of first place of the Mountain Division, just as we all predicted. Okay, and then I go Sunday morning, and I'm like, I kind of remember the tweet, and you and people had fun with it. I go out for a tweet and put, "Hey, frame this," just because of top of the mountain division. And, yeah, and and I also put it out there. I was like, I said, we we've always said that Thompson Teo is the most accurate and efficient quarterback in the Mountain West. Oh, geez, stop it! No, <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? You know what? Though he had a great game. He he did. We'll get that in a minute. But the people like, particularly one person, I muted eventually. So if you're listening to this somehow and tweeting still, I'm not going to see it because I'm done. Because there's some people like, yeah, they're gonna, they're what they're like, they can win the division. They are, they're, they're scheduled. They're gonna be great. I'm like, they're scheduled the rest of the way. They might win one game versus New Mexico. They go the games they might win are at Utah State, maybe. They go to Hawaii. I'm like, well, Hawaii's not great, but maybe. But you're not beating. What do they have? Boise, Utah, Wyoming, and Air Force at home? Like, no okay. way. Okay, like, okay, okay, okay. Do, do I need to play the optimist then? In this case, yeah, you better because I'm not sold on anything the Rams are doing. The defense is better, which I fully admit, but go for it. This is another instance, at least in my opinion, where the Rams are getting a lot closer to the team I envisioned they would be in the preseason. You know, both, you know, and, and not in terms of like, you know, it wasn't like it was a an A plus type of performance. Like, yeah, they ran away and had a very convincing 18 point win, but you know, the offense 
on a per play basis, had its best overall game of the year. I think they averaged nearly six yards of play. Tonson Tail was, you know, solid. 18 of 22, 226 yards and a touchdown. Um, no turnovers anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they they finally found ways to get the ball to someone else besides Trey McBride, who, you know, he's, he still led the team with six catches and 60 yards. But Ty McCullough had a 60-yard touchdown. EJ mm-hmm. Scott had three catches for 51 yards. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Ajon Vivens, you know, pick, you know, picked up where David Bailey left off a couple of weeks ago. He ran for over 100 yards, and they got help from from Centeno and Jalen Thomas in the backfield as well. So, like, you know, as a team, they were you know well over what four four and a half yards per carry on the ground, something like that. And and it's not to say that like they they pressed their entire advantage. You know, it's it's maybe good that Caden Camper, you know, matched a conference record and set a program record with six field goals. But then you realize that, you know, like we just talked about with Jonah Dalmas a few minutes ago, four of those six field goals came from within 30 yards. So maybe they left a little something on the table. Yeah, it, yeah, three. That's my point. Like three red zone touchdowns were or field goals are kicked. There was the one long one. That's what I was kind of talking on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, they played fine, but they won and they clearly outplayed better than San Jose State, but if you're going to play Air Force, I guess, the, what? Obviously, like Utah State could score points. Air Force can score points. Maybe Boise State could score some points, but if you're playing teams and you set it on for six field goals, you're not going to beat these other teams. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it was an A-plus performance, but I'm, well, saying, but I'm saying, you know, from, from where they were, uh, let's say, South Dakota against, State. Against, against Vanderbilt over the last month. Yeah. You know, they, they, that is a game that they probably should have won against the Commodores. I think you and I are both on the same page about that. Yes. And then they had a, they had an extremely ugly, but workmanlike win against Toledo. They had a, a, a game, a, a very gamesman type of loss to the number two team in the country now, Iowa. Yeah. And, and now they're starting to put it together on both sides of the ball. And, and granted San Jose state is not the same team that they were last year, which we'll talk more about in a minute. Yeah. But Colorado State is could they like they look like a team that could make some waves, and they look like a team that you know especially if they can win you know the next two games, you know at New Mexico at Utah State, you know they, all of a sudden they're sitting pretty at three and zero in the Mountain Division, and then who knows what happens after that? I mean I think that there's it's just it's starting to come together in the way that I thought that it would. Where you know is is anybody outside of Fort Collins going to enjoy watching it? Probably not. But are they going to care if the team? Are, are they going to care if the team is winning? Absolutely not. No, those are two games. Maybe Hawaii, but going to Hawaii is tough. But I, they also didn't have Dante Wright for the third straight game. They got the victory, which is good. Um, David Bailey's also missed a game. Like so, if they get those two guys back, like there's reason to be optimistic. But I, I'm still not a believer. Like, do you say Todd Santeo is going to play this well versus other teams? No. I don't like if you're telling me that people can be excited or whatever, but you're telling me you're going to beat Nevada with this offense when you play them, you, you're going to beat Air Force. Like Wyoming's other story would be closer, but I think Wyoming can figure things out because run them to death with Xavier and Valaday and smother whatever offense the Rams try to throw out there. That might be like a ugly win for Wyoming a bit because just because the Rams defense can, it's I'd almost be similar to the Iowa game, just kind of the two styles, the type of play, like low scoring, a lot of good defense. I still could. I, my best case scenario for them is four and eight. 
The only win I could, the only game I'm going to say they're going to win is New Mexico, 100% for sure. That's it. The rest of the way, I don't, I'm not confident they'll win. They probably will sneak another game out there, but this game shows they have that potential to do it. And to get those two guys back, right and Bailey, maybe Steven Dyser's figured things out. Um, but you can't kick field goals. You got to get whatever. You got to get closer, get to touchdowns when you're inside the 10. There's stuff there that could happen, but the consistency, specifically in offense, I'm not buying it quite yet because San Jose State defense is pretty good, but they've clearly not the team that were last year. I mean, what you're basically looking at with Todd Santeo is sort of shades of 2017 Marcus McMarion at Fresno State. Because when you take a look at the long view of what he's done through five games now, he has one interception in 160 pass attempts. That is a minuscule Mm -hmm. interception rate. Only five touchdowns, not great, but not terrible. Six and a half yards per attempt, not great, but not terrible. And he's completing nearly 60% of his passes at this point. So I'm not saying like he's going to go out there and light the world on fire. He doesn't need to. But he he plays mistake-free football. He doesn't, he doesn't put the defense in situations that they can't win or that they struggle to win against. Like he, like they don't lose the field position game with him under center with Ryan Stonehouse as a punter or anything like that. So I think like he's, he's got a better completion rate than Logan Bonner right now. And he's And he's averaging more yards Hmm. per attempt than, you know, like for example, Terry Wilson, um, you know, he's got as many touchdowns as Nick Nash has in the last couple of weeks, which, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's not the greatest quarterback well, in the conference. But you're comparing those last two guys who aren't very good. So but that's it, like saying, saying the, the I'm bottom. Saying it, <laughs> but I'm, what I'm saying is the way that they played over the last few weeks, it might be good enough. Well, I, I just was, it might be. I'm just saying when you compare Nick Nash, who made his second start and a running quarterback. I'm just, I'm just saying how many, how many conference championships can Christian Chapman win at San Diego State? It's not because of him, and that they won't win. Here's the thing: if CAC is going to win games, it's it's they're going to. Let me let me phrase this right way. He's not going to win the many games, I don't think, but he's sure heck can lose a lot of games. I don't think he's a quarterback who out there and will them to victory. More often than not, I don't think he's that type of quarterback. I mean, I think we also have to see what this team looks like once Wright gets back too. Yeah, that's I what I mean. Yeah, Wright Bailey. Because I think I think they're starting to, you know, they're starting to not only you know come up, you know, and 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 really get comfortable with with what they want to do with what they're what they think they're good at, which is running the football and playing good defense, but they're also starting to you know live with their and, and manage their limitations too. Like, you know, McCullough was of course the like the big you know kind of knockout play. I guess I would say the, the big touchdown, but you know, Justice McCoy had a 20-yard catch. Trey McBride had a 20-yard catch. EJ Scott had a 20-yard catch. That's not something you were seeing a month ago in this offense. And so once Wright gets back, I think that gives them another element that they can play with, and that could make them a much more dangerous team down the stretch. So what about San Jose State then? Oh, man. Nick Starkle still injured. Nick Nash came in and did whatever he does. I, I guess we gotta give credit to the defense a bit for this could have been like a 50 to 14 game, possibly. Like this could have been really, really ugly. Yeah, I mean they forced they had three sacks, six tackles for loss, th- uh three three turnovers forced. Yeah, that, that'll play. Yeah, you just gotta not give up the ball yourself twice to two fumbles they lost on this game. Nick Nash 50%, but barely threw over 150 yards running game. 
non-existent Tyrone Evans and the rest was Nick Nash. No explosive plays at all. A couple passing plays like Desire Hamilton, Derek Deese, but they're, they need Nick Starkle back there because the offense has been stagnant and it's proven to still be kind of stagnant when they play a good team. And they're falling off much farther than I even thought they would have this year. Yeah, I mean, they're really scuffling right now. What will it take? Like, even when Nick Stark was healthy, they weren't playing well on offense. I mean, I honestly have no idea. Was last year a fluke thing? Can we, are we, can we start throwing I that don't, around? You know what? I don't think last year was a fluke. Because, you know, normally when you look at a fluke, like, I think when you compare, let's say, you know, compare San Jose State to Ball State. Okay. You know, the, the team that they played in the Arizona Bowl last year. I think that the Cardinals were a lot more fortunate last year than the Spartans were. The Spartans didn't have a lot of like, you know, one score games that, you know, they tend to regress one way or the other, where you're like, if you're like, zero and four in one score games one year, you tend to be at least 500, maybe a little bit better than next or something like that. It tends to snap back one way or the other. That wasn't the case for San Jose state last year. San Jose state was a complete team on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, I don't know if it's they're missing their quarterbacks coach who left for UCLA. I don't know Maybe. if it's if they're missing Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither more than either of us would have anticipated. Because, I you, know, you kind of like, said that was the case, but like you, you we, mentioned we, you mentioned Hamilton and Deese. You know, nobody else on the team had more than yeah. two targets. So that's I mean, a problem. You know, like we. Mm-hmm. I was Sorry. just saying, I was just saying, like, you know, maybe the, maybe they're running up against you know the same kind of limitations that Colorado State was running up against a little earlier in the year. Um, you know, and the, and the defensive, especially the stars up front, like they just haven't had the same kind of year. Like, I think Cade Hall is still chasing his first sack, if I'm not mistaken. Um, not as good, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they only had one sack on on the year or on the game. And you know, five TFLs isn't bad, but they yeah. definitely got pushed around a lot more than I think either of us would have anticipated, even as, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. So, it's so just I, a lot of small gonna, things. So I'm not going to say there's no hope. Like, you know, they, they're, I think, what, they're still three and three, right? Yeah. But I think it's pretty clear to say that you know, maybe even just getting to bowl eligibility at this point is going to be an accomplishment. Because, you know, the, the questions definitely outweigh the answers for the Spartans at this juncture. I may, when I do the bull projections in a couple of days, I may not put them in there this week. Mm-hmm. Because what have they shown to get there for me, really? Like, this is a game where they, I know they weren't favored, like, by the line stuff, but they probably, I felt they're the better team. But Rams are improving, and we'll see, whatever we'll see. But, like, really quick, who they have left, like, they're not going to be San Diego State. They, they'll beat UNLV. Like, here's what they have just super quick. Like, Aztecs, Rebels, Cowboys, Wolfpack, Aggies, Fresno State. It's going to be a might. I only see really one victory, maybe two. Like, Utah State's always a maybe because of what they're doing, but they might be four and eight this year. They unfortunately. might be. Yeah. And I, man, we we're both wrong about them, what they're doing. All right, next game Air Force Wyoming, which was the game of the week. Air Force, like, hey, can I get a round of applause for everybody who who agreed with me, what did I tell you Air Force needed to do, Matt, passing the ball? Give me 10 pass attempts. Uh-huh. They go, what, 7 of 10. They throw the ball more than they needed than, I, than most people thought they would. So, and I got that correct. So, I'm going to take some victory this week after me blowing it about Boise State. No, you're, <laughs> that, you're, you're, you're burying the lead here, though. What, what am I burying? I, I want my accomplishments out front. What do you think is the lead? That, that they, The turnovers, the Brad Roberts, what, what do you think is the lead? Sean no, Chambers playing terrible? No, no, no. It's, it's the fact that you know that like in the you know from the first half to the second half 
the fact that they were leaning on the pass way more than anybody anticipated after halftime. Yeah, after halftime. Yeah, the story that, that was like, unique. You, you know, Hazik Daniels was seven to 10. All 10 of those yeah. pass attempts came after <laughs> halftime. Like, that's, uh, hey. that's not something you yeah. ever see out of it, unless they're like trailing, which they weren't in this game. It like, was it tied. Was, it was tied. Yeah. Hey, I'm still correct. We could both be right. <laughs> yeah. Like they came out and there was like, I think they, they got their drive at their own 15 yard line with about 10 minutes left in the, in the third quarter. Yeah. And Hazik Daniels completed four straight passes. Heck yeah, I did. <laughs> and everybody, and, 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 you know, each one of them was like a, a chunk play, you know, uh, you know, you know, seven yards, 30 yards, 14 yards. And then the third town or 13 yard touchdown to Micah Davis. And then, you know, when they got the ball back again in the fourth quarter, you know, they did more or less the same thing. You know, they had a 20-yard pass play to, to, you know, Davis again. They had another 19-yarder to Brandon Lewis. And it was good enough, you know, to get them into the red zone where they they were able to add to their lead. And the defense stepped up and made plays at the same time. And that was more or less the game right there. It was like, you know, they they used the pass as a changeup more than sprinkling it in the way that we've typically seen them do it in the past or lean on it when, yeah. they're, when they're playing from behind, you know, out of a necessity. It was a very yeah, the, interesting, it was a very interesting game to watch by that measure. Well, it was, it was too, because when it, because the type of passing, I'm not surprised like the average per pass attempt or per completion, that's kind of what we've been seeing from these guys. But when you get, like rewind back to the first quarter, the first half, they, had that extensive drive to go for a touchdown. Wyoming's defense couldn't stop them at all. It took, what, half the first quarter, like eight minutes, and then a freaking three and out. Like, if Wyoming got back in it with a fumble. Like, yeah. it looked not to go drive by drive. For a minute, like, Air Force would run away with it. And then, oh, yeah. And then they didn't fumble because that... that second drive, they were gone. And then, poof. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. You know, they had that. Yeah. The, <laughs> it was recovered by Jordan Burdingall. And then it was sort of unfortunate that they weren't able to do anything with it. Because yeah, as, soon, as soon as they got it, you know, and, and credit Sean Chambers. We'll talk more about him in a minute. Like, I I don't think Chambers was as bad as his final line indicated. Why is that? I mean, I think, you know, when you look at if, when you look at the tape, and I, and I hate to say that because it's not like I'm a, a tape expert or anything like that. <laughs> but, you know, there were a handful of plays where it was like, you know, when they were backed up or in obvious passing situations, like he would – you know, extend the play. And I think that, you know, they had a third and 15 in the first quarter where it was like, it was that close to, and it was ultimately overturned on review. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that first fumble that they had, that was forced by Vince Sanford recovered by Corbin Taylor was sort of emblematic of just the way the game went on offense for Wyoming, where, you know, Chambers would extend for the first down. Like he had the first down, it was eight yards on third and eight. And he just fumbled before getting out of bounds. And the same thing happened to him later on that more or less, you know, killed, um, you know, Wyoming's comeback hopes in the fourth quarter. You know, there was, I, I don't know if it was like a bad snapper or if he was just running backwards and got caught by Sanford again, you know, in the second week in a row, we're talking about him after really not talking about <laughs> much after all, uh, you know, but it was, you know, in the first half, especially, you know, there was, there was a handful of plays where, you know, under pressure with air force defenders in his face, you know, Chambers was like this close to connecting on one or two big plays that would have kept a drive alive or just gotten them like a big first down. You moved him across midfield or something like that. So, you know, you look at the fact that he was 11 of 28 overall, 143 yards and a touchdown. You think, okay, well, he blew the game. And yeah, maybe the fumbles are definitely bad breaks that could have been avoided. 
However, <laughs> but I, I, I honestly don't think it was that much different from being a much different game. Can we talk about the running game, which was non-existent besides one rush by Xavier Valade? They, which had, doesn't the, they help. had the one drive between Valade with a 74 yard run and then mm-hmm. Titus Swen followed it up with a 13 yard run. Yeah. Other than that, so, Air Force's defense did their job. So that's where Chambers are put in a bad spot when they were only third down was only freaking three of 12. Like they could convert because like, Oh, Valade had 97 yards. It all counts. But in context, he only ran the ball eight total times, which, Oh, he had 10, 11 yards per carry 12 yards per carry just about or exactly. But no, he had, Here, here's one, the thing. Here's the thing. Though. Not good. It doesn't, it's not helpful. That's to put Chambers in a bad spot, making him throw more than he needs to throw it in long, which is where they don't complete third downs when it's more than third and seven or even third and five, it puts him in a tough spot. So he had to throw almost 30 times in a game where they were close, only lost by 10. Yeah, here's the the thing, though. You know, we talked about it in the preview about, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it for Air Force as far as just running the football right at Wyoming. Wyoming's defense did its job, too. Yeah, it wasn't. In in, in power rushing situations, Air Force was just two of ten. They were fine. 211 yards isn't great. And Brad Roberts, yeah, had 140 yards, but it took him 33 attempts to get there. Yeah, the, and the Cowboys had a better rushing success rate on the ground than the Falcons did, 39% yeah. to 30. Um, and and, just, and one big rushing play, just at 120, 20-yard or whatever it was. Yeah, tail, it. tail and tape. I mean, most important number, 3.4 sack-adjusted yards per carry. Like yeah. under, under a lot of other circumstances, that would be a substantial win <laughs> For, for the Cowboys defense. Yeah. But, you know, I, again, turnovers were a big factor in this game. You know, they were, you know, even in a lot of other respects. But holding they, the ball, of course, too. Yeah. 39 but, minutes. But they just, they couldn't stop Daniels through the air when they decided to break that out. And, and even despite having slightly more explosive plays than the Falcons did, they just, you know, they, they weren't able to put it all together in the same way that the Falcons did. So, like, I think, you know, Wyoming – it's a tough loss. Like I, I, think, think, I think it's I think it's easy to look at this game and to think, okay, well, Wyoming switched September was just a mirage. I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. I still don't think we've seen them firing on all cylinders yet. And I think if they can, <laughs> they're still going to be a very dangerous team in the Mountain West. Do you think had they had the ball more, it would have made a difference? Because they held it, they only had it, Wyoming or Air Force had it for 38, 39 minutes. Yeah. And they look at the second half, they were moving the ball. They just came up short. Like their drives were 11 play drive, 10 play drive. They had to the one three and out, but four of their, not including the final drive of the game, four of their five drives were over seven players or more. So they moved the ball, but they, well, I guess they sort of moved the ball in that last drive. They fumbled it and they only moved it. Well, no, they moved on the field. My bad. Looking at it wrong. Like they moved the ball, but they just couldn't, they something just, Air Force defense stepped up where it's third and third. It's uh sorry, fourth and freaking 28. You know what I mean? Like the holding penalty on third and 18, like mm-hmm. a couple things pushed it back. Like they're not making a third and 28 after that penalty. Like they were times where they moved the ball, then something stubbed their toe to push them back or it's a third and 10, like on the drive where they fumbled after the, um, the Vid Sanford, whatever it was, lost to 20 yards, that f- fiasco thing that happened there on mm-hmm. fourth and 10. It's like, they moved the ball enough, but they just had something, a fumble, or it's too long. They, they can't convert on a fourth and a mile or something. Yeah, so, I mean, th- that's the other thing about this game. Wyoming put themselves behind the eight ball on third downs way yeah. too often in this game. Like, Air Force's 
average third down situation was basically half of that of Wyoming's. You know, the, the average third down distance for Air Force was 5.4 yards. For Wyoming, it was 11.4. Okay, then that makes a big difference. That does <laughs> right? make a gigantic difference, yeah. So is Air Force, like how much better do you think, Air Force won, so they're clearly the better team this week. So when you look at this game, because you mentioned Air, why we put in the bad spots, did they, not, this is going to sound disrespectful to the Air Force at one, but it's not. But did Wyoming lose this game or the Air Force come out and do more things to win the game? I think Air, Force, it, I think Air Force won it more than Wyoming lost it for sure. That's what I think. It's some of both, but that's what I was kind of getting at. Just curious your thoughts because penalties on third down, Chambers throws well under 50%. So rushing game wasn't there. So that's what I thought. So I figured too, like Air Force did more to win, but Air Force, Wyoming also didn't help themselves because they only scored 14 points in that second quarter, and that's it. So, mm-hmm. but these, um, oh man, well, it's good. We, we talked about the West Division being crazy with CSU being better than we thought, Air Force being a bit better than we thought, Boise seemingly a touch better than two weeks ago, or at least last week. So, it's a, it's going to be every game. Just watch these games, people. I don't care. Just watch them. All right. Next final game of the weekend, New Mexico, no, sorry, not New Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico State. Yes, the affiliate members of this year, Aggies, because I realized. Freaking Utah State plays the next week. That's true. <laughs> or in two weeks on stupid flow sports, but whatever. Carson Strong, was it six touchdown passes he had six, in this dom? Six touchdown passes. What are we going to say about this game? Because we talk about the Mexico State because they play the Mountain Rose all the time. Is this a Nevada performance that was like, finally, we want to see this? Or is it expected? Not that six touchdowns expected. He threw, wasn't it? I forget what, whatever quarter it was. Didn't he have four in the first half or four in the quarter? Something like that, yeah. Like this was just a ridiculous I mean, I think, video I game. He, I think he was, if I remember correctly, I remember seeing video of Nate Cox in in like the late third quarter. So <laughs> six so foot nine, keep, right? <laughs> so let's keep in mind that your Carson Strong threw six touchdowns in basically in, in maybe two and a half quarters. So you know, I, I have to think that you know Jane Orville and the rest of the and the offensive staff looked at you. Know, You're good. Film of film of New Mexico State and, and Carson maybe Carson Strong. I like to imagine that he was like sitting in the front room, front row of the film room, just like watching the film. Mm-hmm. And then like and then he and then he gets up and he like cracks his knuckles, you know. And he's, <laughs> exactly. like, and he's like, oh, and he's like, okay, because you know, you see you see that you know Toa Tawa didn't necessarily need to do too much. He only had seven attempts in this game, only averaged four yards per carry. Um, didn't necessarily need him all that much. You know, Devontae Lee only had three carries. That's because, yeah, that's because they were able to put this game out of the reach through the air. Like, you know, Carson Strong, 25 of 32 overall. Um, and even when Cox came in to replace him, he was also 8 of 12 for 84 years. David, David brought a Clay Millen to play a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> this also should be noted, Mexico State was winning 7-3 to three after the first quarter. Yeah, that's because <laughs> I believe that's because Carson Strong threw an interception. Uh, so I do have some concerns about Nevada. Um, maybe it's me nitpicking. But um, Jonah Johnson had a monster game as well. Thirty, he threw the ball sixty-two times. <laughs> yeah, but a, yeah. Ton, a ton of that production came. Like, I know. They were, I know. Fourth quarter. Yeah, I they know. were up 50, 51 to seven with, with four and a half minutes left in the third quarter. I, I think it's safe to say maybe they just let off the gas a little bit. Which you know, coach coaches are definitely going to get on the defense and you know the second stringers and you know, whoever was in there yeah. at that point about that. Um, you know, I wish I know I wish I had the figures for like how many yards Johnson threw for by quarter, 
because I imagine that like you know, a lot of that production was just like garbage time, garbage time, garbage time. I have a quick question for you, quick. Do Romeo Dubs not play? I don't think I don't know. I did he not? Zero statistics. Huh. Because I honestly didn't really watch this game. I'm like, this could be blowout as late. So I kind of watched some highlights and just whatever they sent out there. And so I was like, he did not, he did not have any stats. So just wondering. Hmm. But but you're right, like the yards are out there. So yeah, second team's like, what are you guys doing? Because he had 400 and something yards, but we could look by quarter, but there's no reason for us to go that in depth. Go, um, I was guess who is it? Uh, never mind. I'm not gonna, I can't think of it, so I'm not gonna say it. But like they had those touchdowns in the third quarter. It's mo- I guarantee, like, if we look at what he had, it, he probably had 25% or maybe 35% of his yards that fourth quarter. Yeah, something like that. Because they scored 21 points, and the backups were in there. So, what I like about this game, besides whatever, run the ball better, but why run when you can throw it well like this? My point being, like, I want to, this is a good time to have a huge victory over a bad team. Yeah. Which Nevada hasn't had this year. They're four and one. And honestly, some people were thinking, like, they're kind of an afterthought for some reason because they missed last, they lost Kansas State, had the bye week. Now they're playing this team here. And so, but they beat Boise State last week. It's like, well, should they really be? No, so they should be considered. They got Hawaii, which Warriors are beat them back to back here. So that's going to be interesting. Fresno will be a fun game. Like, I think Nevada, I think maybe, I don't know. Are you are you feeling that way, people? That's kind of feeling about Nevada because they're undefeated. They're kind of like, yeah, what's going on? I mean, I put Nevada at the top of my power rankings. Both well, so did I. Well, I, no, I put San Diego. You put Nevada over San Diego State? I did. Oh, interesting. Okay. I got Nevada number two. Maybe it's just my expectations are high, but uh, we'll know a bit more when they play Hawaii and Fresno in the coming weeks. But this was a victory. Like, I wanted to put a beat down on a bad team, which, okay, Idaho State, whatever. Not that New Mexico State's much better than them because they're still a low-level FBS team, but still nice to see what they did, passing to everybody and getting all the touchdown passes and getting a convincing victory before they play a Hawaii team at home. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add about these games this week? And by the way, Dubs did not play. He was being held out because of injury. Okay, good. I yeah, I just didn't watch this game live. I kind of watched my highlights. So that's why I figured he wasn't playing, didn't need him, and no stats figured. That makes the most sense. What type? Do you see what type of injury at all or any word uh, on that? No. Nothing on that. Okay. All right. Good to know. So hopefully he's back for Hawaii. It's probably the best to kind of hold him out because he wasn't needed. So, all right. So week six is in the books. Next week is every conference game. Week this six is, is going to be so good. I can't wait to talk about it. Is it all six All six games or 12 teams? That is games? correct. Okay. I make it sure. I saw you tweeted out the early odds on there, which there's some interesting ones. We'll get to that. But next week, you're right. It's going to be very exciting. Next, so week, there's some, there's, next week, there's some bangers. Heck yeah. Check us out mwr.com. Make sure to listen when we do our preview next week. It'll be it'll be fun because league play, like I said, do we need to you can't hashtag numbers, but is it still five and three West Division champ? Is that the goal? Or are we gonna see a team go like somehow seven and one? I mean it's it's still in play. I'll say that much. It's always in play. So all right, folks, we'll see you next time. Check us out Twitter, MWCWire, MWR.com, and we'll be back next week or in a couple days, I guess, to preview 100 percent conference play.